you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I have Aunt Blair back on. So welcome to the show, Aunt. Hey, it's good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) So you started your first digital marketing company in 1997. I find that so, so fascinating. And you're going to share a bit of your story of how that all came to be and what you were able to do with that company. But you're also a TEDx speaker and host. And we're going to hear about you being a Cicerone. So if you don't know what that is, you have to listen to the podcast because that is pretty cool. Yes. So welcome, Ant. Thanks, Kim. Once again, it's good to be back. So today we, we're going to talk about how to use Google to gain authority. And, you know, when you first messaged me that on LinkedIn, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's something that we don't talk a lot about because Google seems to be that really big beast that no one can conquer. And, mm-hmm. and yet you have found ways to just really use Google and use it as a tool to really brand yourself. So I'm excited for that. But first, Ant, why don't you introduce yourself and just share some of your story with us? Yeah, sure. Just like you said, Kim, uh, I was entrepreneuring even before (laughs) I knew what the word was. (laughs) I didn't even know, you know, I was a young guy and was able to connect with folks. It's almost like rich dad, poor dad to some degree. You know, my, my father, he was General Motors, worked at General Motors. I had a friend, his dad also worked at General Motors and he was very entrepreneurial. They always had some sort of something going on. You know, if it was flipping cars, always selling something. And I remember watching that growing up, watching that family do all kinds of things, sell Newfoundland dogs, flip cars, things like that. And I said, wow, you know, they're always hustling, always making, always making some money somehow. And that stuck with me. So then I started to discover skills and strengths that I had that I could sell and started doing that in high school. And from high school, I got my first job. And I remember seeing some of the managers and saying at 17, saying, hmm, if this guy can manage a store, certainly I could manage a store and probably manage a business. And so that led to that led to me figuring out what what kind of business could I start? So I started a few ventures here and there and serendipity, the Internet and advertising and marketing was starting to come together a little bit in 95 and 96. And I'm pretty good at writing. 
So I started writing ads and this was way before Google, way before eBay, way before Amazon, way before any of these companies even existed. I'm finding ways to sell things online and sell globally. That was powerful, Kim. For, for a kid coming from Flint, Michigan, and all of the things that are associated with Flint, Michigan, seeing, wow, mm -hmm. I can connect with people all over the world who are looking for things to buy, <laughs> things that I have to sell. This is amazing. That changed my life, Kim. It really did. And one summer, uh, I sold a bunch of video cassette tapes. I don't know if people listening <laughs> even remember those things. VHS tapes. VHS tapes. Yes, they came after Betamax. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to stop you for one second because just, okay, if you're listening to this and you're a younger person or even older person, I want you to Google teenagers and rotary phones. Because the teenagers are going to be like, how in the earth do you even use this thing? And every adult's just going to be busting a gut laughing. So same thing. If you don't know what a VHS is, that's Ant and I dating ourselves because that sure. was how you recorded things. For real. And imagine, Kim, back then ha having a storehouse literally of video cassette tapes a friend of mine had a video cassette or had a video rental place you know we're talking blockbuster and I, <laughs> i'm going all the way back then so he had a little small town one had a bunch of video cassette tapes couldn't sell them he had a bunch didn't need them couldn't sell them i said hey let me try and sell them on the internet and i was selling those video cassettes to people all over the world and what was interesting kim was these were people who were military folks. Mm -hmm. So you remember early on in the internet, the only people who had access to internet, you know, government, education, and military. So they had the money, they had the downtime, and they had the access. And so they're yeah. finding me online and saying, hey, send me movies, send me movies, send me movies, send me movies. <laughs> I'm making money hand over fist, not blown away blown away and like i said when that when i did that that summer that's when i knew this is going to be what i'm going to do and then from there uh, i found out that hey i could develop websites so i don't know if you remember a uh, microsoft front page a terrible that program was like a that's beast to try and work with it was horrible it was it was it was it was atrocious it was terrible but that's all we had I mastered that software <laughs> with much pain and went out and started to sell in my local area. Hey, you need a website. Hey, you need a website. This was in 97, 98. And people like, ah, get out of here, kid. You know, what are you talking about? You know, I'm getting door slammed in my face time and time again. And so, you know, people who, for people who are aspiring to become entrepreneurs, got if the skill that you need to have right out the gate is sales skills, you know, and you have to have mm -hmm. a thick skin because you're going to get a whole lot more no's than you're going to get yeses. And that's what was happening because it was still early. I was an early adopter. So mm -hmm. door slam, door slam, door slam, door slam, door slam. And then people started to get it in 2000, like 99, 2000 business owners start to get it. And I did the first website and got paid for it. 
And from there, people's like, hey, who did your website? Hey, who did your website? Hey, who did your website? Oh, this guy, Aunt Blair. Oh, this guy, Aunt Blair. So now all of a sudden my phone's ringing and I got a business on my hand. And boy, that was such a wild time because it was the dot-com boom. So once mm. people got it, everybody hopped in. <laughs> so I'm busy. And I tell you what, Kim, that was the wildest ride because during that time, scaled that business six figures in less than a year, had 12 employees, two office locations. It's ridiculous, crazy. But then, you know, in 2001, you know, we had, you know, 9-11, yeah. you know, then the dot-com boom busted. Then we went into that recession. 2022 feels a lot like 2002 to me right now, you know, mm -hmm. and, and having all of that time under my belt, all of that happened. And the technology companies like, hey, you're just figuring out how to how to make it work. You know, so I had to lay off people, you know, do all of the things that people are doing right now. Oddly enough, that's why I say mm -hmm. it feels so familiar right now. Survived and regrew the business. One of the older companies, older school companies. And when I say older school companies, I'll say print. So I'm on the digital side. They were on the print side. They wanted to get into the digital side. They saw what I was doing. They made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, so to speak, and you know, sold that business. And unfortunately, uh, the company that I sold it to, the owner didn't really know how to uh, how to leverage that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that biz that company went out of business. But luckily, <laughs> I was disconnected from that. But you know, when you see your baby kind of die, so to speak. You know, it leaves it leaves a little sad spot. You know, it was it was sad to see it go down like that. But you know, that's how business works. And so then from there, uh, was looking for something to do, and that's how I started getting into uh, Cicerone certification and public speaking. Because that's a it's a good story. And so I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I tell this story? How do I tell this story? So I joined Toastmasters. Started to develop my speaking skills. You know, along comes TEDx opportunity, and then that happened. And from there, other TEDx organizations like, "Hey, you're pretty lively. How about you uh, host a TEDx for us?" Like, yeah, sure. So right now, I'm just living the I'm living the dream <laughs> of semi retirement, so to speak. <laughs> Okay, so you did not tell the audience what a Cicerone is. Yes, it is a certified master of beer styles and service. I had to get the lingo out of my head. <laughs> a certified master of beer styles and service, which means I know all of the beer styles. We're talking, you know, German lagers, Pilsners, American IPAs on all of the styles, and I know how to serve them properly, proper glassware, you know, proper temperature. The things that a uh, sommelier would know with wine is the same thing with beer. That is so cool. You know, something that I was thinking about as, as you were sharing your story is as entrepreneurs, you know, we're going to have times when our business doesn't work out. That's right. You know, and it doesn't, you've tried your hardest, you've done your very best. And sometimes you just have to let that business go. And, you know, I think that's not something we talk a lot about as entrepreneurs, because it's kind of like, 
it's failure and we don't want to talk about the failure. We don't want to talk about it, but I think it's important that we do. When I was first getting into entrepreneurship, you know, I saw all these people who were successful and I felt like it's such a failure because I struggled. Mm-hmm. I struggled for a long time. Thankfully, I had a husband who was very patient with me and let me struggle through all the years of trying to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. And But, you know, they don't talk about the struggles. They don't talk about the times that they failed. And I think that's important for people who are building a business to know that sometimes businesses fail. But that's you know right. what? It should never stop you from starting another one. Because that's maybe right. that's the one you were meant to have in the first place. The other one was your training ground. That's right. That's exactly right. What's interesting about that, Kim, I 100% agree. I mentor a lot of young business startup uh, entrepreneurs nowadays. I was on a call with some young young entrepreneurs yesterday. And we're talking folks who were my age when I started. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, one and one of those uh, people in the group, one of the young people in that group called me up and he's like, man, you know, I'm going through this struggle right now in my business. And you know, I don't hold it up I'm like, hey, you know, I, re- I remember when I was your age, you know, here I am, the whole guy, you know, reminiscing. <laughs> you know. And, you know, I'm sharing stories of, yeah, I, I, had I to remember walk that to work every day in the snow and it was five feet high and didn't have any boots on. <laughs> It's true, but these young people, they appreciate that. You know, they, they appreciate that vulnerability. They appreciate that transparency. And young entrepreneurs, they, to your point, Kim, they need to know that is not what you see on Instagram. It's not what you see. There's highs and there's lows. There's highs and there's lows. You know, just like I talked about a little earlier with sales. You know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But I think we have to, as entrepreneurs who've been around for a while, make ourselves available to these young folks coming up, you know, and be real with them and say, yeah, I remember when I had this struggle. I remember when I messed up here. I remember when I dropped the ball there. I remember when to give them, to empower them, to encourage them and even go so far as even give them permission to fail because we say, oh, well, if you fail, it's like you're hey, a failure. Because, yeah, if you yeah, if you're failure, you are a failure. And it's like, no, you know, that, that that's not true. You know, we we fail. There's a guy, I think his name's Darren LaCroix, who's a Toastmaster and one world champion of public speaking. One of his speeches, he talked about failing forward, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's a thing. You know, yeah, we can fail and it's okay. Because society be like, oh no, it's not okay. You have to be perfect. No, actually, it's okay to fail. Just pick yeah. yourself up, dust yourself off, and get back on that saddle, as they say, and you know, keep on riding. Yeah. Some of the lessons that I learned in failure is really what has helped me to become an incredible publisher. Absolutely. Because I've I've learned the power of no. I've I've learned that you know you can't give up. I've learned you have to be consistent. You know, there was so many lessons I learned all those years while I struggled. And I thought, you know, there was times, there was times I went back, I took a job for a period of time, but then it was like, I I just want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I just want to be an entrepreneur. And so, you know, I, I just kept working it through, but 
you know, finally, when I started the publishing company, it was like every lesson I had ever learned, you know, those that 12 to 15 years of being an entrepreneur, all of a sudden, it was like, it just all fell together. Yeah. Yep. And and it's been worth it. I, I, I love this journey of being a publisher and helping people to get their message out there. So if you're listening to this, you know, and you're struggling in your business right now, take hope. That's right. You're, you're not a failure. That's right. You're in the learning curve. That, that is exactly right. You are in the learning curve. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. So I want to kind of switch gears here because we're about halfway through and I want to let you loose for a bit because you are prepared and you've got a lot of amazing knowledge to share with us about how to leverage Google to gain authority. So I want to give you lots of time to share those hints, ticks, tip nuggets and practical things. Oh, sure. Starting that digital marketing company, the pathway went from developing websites to, hey, how are people going to find these websites? Mm. And that was way, I would say that was 04, 05, 06, 07. I learned a lot about Google and Bing. I don't know if people remember like Excite and Lycos and <laughs> some of those old school, Alta Vista. I lament about this all the time. One of my favorite search engines was Alta Vista, which was basically Google before Google. I lament about it a little bit because I'm like, man, Alta Vista was supposed to be Google. <laughs> <laughs> but but they 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 couldn't figure out the marketing part. And going through the evolution of search and search engines and algorithms, and they they used to be directories, you know. So going through that whole evolution, I learned how to position websites and brands, companies mm -hmm. when I Sold the business and doing the Cicerone thing. I was thinking, how do how, how could I apply what I learned for my own personal brand? And I said, yeah. okay, people Google everything. The last I checked, they were at 78% search market share. The last I checked, that might have been a couple of weeks ago. Bing looked like it's making a little bit of progress. So that's kind of interesting. And then there's always Yahoo and oh, DuckDuckGo. That's the one. That's my husband's personal favorite. <laughs> Going through all of that, I'm, like I said, I'm thinking, you know, how can I how can I position myself as an expert, as a as an expert in the beer community? How can I do that? And I said, well, Google. So some of the things that I apply to become a Local beer expert. Now, here's the thing about this, Kim, and I can I can say local beer expert with confidence. There's not very many places that I can go in the Midwest that are breweries and people don't say, hey, aren't you that beer guy? Hey, aren't you that beer guy? Kind of like you're the extraordinary uh, word ninja. <laughs> like, there's a beer guy. There's a beer guy. There's a beer guy. And a lot of that was done through positioning myself as a beer expert on Google. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I did was I got myself certified so that I would have that authority mm -hmm. so that when yep. people found me, it was like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about because he has the credentials on Google using keywords on a website, on YouTube, when we do our content, making sure that's keyword focused. So it's Beer, beer expert, you know, using things like Google Trends. What are people searching for? And then by knowing 
what people are searching for, then I can position myself as the person who knows the answer to the question that they're asking. And what we have to do to position ourselves as experts is be visible. Google is the visibility spot, video content, text content, blog content, doing interviews like this with mm -hmm. other authorities and spreading the message. Google picks all of that up. Yes. Google picks it all up. Any little morsel of data, that's what Google does. It picks it up and attaches it to a brand, to a company, to a person. And that's why it's so important to have the message dialed in, the mm -hmm. what we want to be known for dialed in. When I consult with people on marketing, because I do that from time to time also, I'll say, what do you want to be known for? What's the one thing you want to be known for? And then you own it. You own that one yeah. thing. And that's one of the things that people don't realize about Google. People are like, oh, well, I do this and I do this and I do this. And it's like, uh, but you dilute yourself. Yeah. What's the one thing you own it yeah. and all of the content that's created, all of the, the, the interviews, the articles, everything is on the one thing. And then when people search Kim Pender, yep. what comes up? The one thing. <laughs> And, and you were saying that, and I was thinking, you know, and that one thing's got to be clear. It's gotta almost clear. like you should be able to do it in one sentence. Absolutely. Well, they so call, when well, you they were call thinking it about that, I was thinking, what was my one sentence? And I thought, I help entrepreneurs write and publish books that build their business. Mm -hmm. Elevator pitch. You, uh, what a, a unique selling proposition. Whatever language, it's what is that one thing that you can say in one sentence that will tell people what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's so incredibly important. Like one of the things I've talked about, I'm not sure if you got to it in the author to authority book yet. Cause I sent to Aunt a copy um, is your core marketing message. Yes. You know, basically that elevator pitch, that USB, what can you say in about 30 to 60 seconds max that clearly defines and for me it, it should define three things and let's see what you think about these three so it should define who your target market is mm -hmm. it should define what you do and how you do it mm -hmm. and i think if you can if you can do that in 30 to 60 seconds immediately people will either be attracted or repelled by you now i don't mean repelled as in oh my god i don't want to be near but repel as in okay this is not someone i need services from right okay so we talked uh, i know the last time we talked about um more about the content so let's go into that a little bit because you talked about video you talked about text you talked about um blogging obviously, uh, even audio getting out on podcasts. Talk a little bit more about creating that content. The last time you shared a few stories from, you know, working through the Cicerone and some of the content that you released. Oh, yeah. I would say the content has to be spectacle. And when I say spectacle, I mean, it's a, just making a splash. And, you know, not to, not to be a LinkedIn hater, because I'm not a LinkedIn hater. But what I notice is when people are posting content, it really looks the same. Mm. You know what I mean? People are posting the same stuff. 
you know, it's a quote or, you know, it's, it's, it's usually, it's usually a quote from somebody else or it's a photo or it's a, Hey, look what I've done, you know, kind of thing, but it's not, again, it's not spectacle. Mm-hmm. So when I say content, what really positioned me in the local community as being the beer guy or the beer expert was doing an event. We did a fundraiser. So when I talk about, again, creating spectacle, it's like, okay, what, what do people resonate with? Oh, uh, good causes. So, mm-hmm. hey, if we, do a, if we do a fundraiser in this niche, that's something that someone hasn't done mm-hmm. ever. So we did this beer fundraiser. It was super cool. No one else had ever done it. And because it was a spectacle and because it was something that someone had never done, the media, the the offline media, the traditional media caught a hold of. And that's another thing that I didn't mention earlier about establishing authority. People look to social media to do a lot of that work. But how hard is it to get on a radio program? How hard is it to get a television interview? How hard is it to get on and get a newspaper article or an op-ed? That's a lot harder. I can fire up a Twitter account right now, start posting right now. You, it takes work to get into traditional media. And Google really places a lot of authority on traditional media sources. So that's important. So, again, be, being able to create this spectacle opened up that opportunity. When we did the event and it was well attended, raised a lot of money, helped a lot of kids with get some uh, Christmas gifts. And I'm not really a Christmas person, but I was that day when we did that. That was it was kind of like that Grinch, right? So I'm standing up on, you know, I'm I'm on the top of the mountain with my dog and I'm looking at all these who's I'm like, ah, I got all your presents, I got all your presents. <laughs> they all hold hands and start singing and everything and his heart gets all big and he comes barreling down the mountain with all the Christmas gifts. That's that's what that feeling was like. It was really cool. But because we were able to create spectacle and do some good in the community and the media started pulling and started mm-hmm. writing about it, well, what winds up happening, Google picks up that information yeah. And then when they do a search for Ann Blair, well, since the TEDx talk, that has moved way further down. But at that time, you type in Ann Blair, you type in Beer for Good. That was the name of the fundraiser. The only thing you saw was the video, the articles, my pictures, pictures of the event. Mm-hmm. And people connected all that positivity to the event, to me, created that halo effect, they call yeah. it. Right. And so now all of that authority and all from the media and from mm-hmm. Google, they're like, he's the guy. So I'd yeah. walk down the street and people like, hey, there's the beer guy. Hey, there's the beer guy. <laughs> hey, there's the beer guy. But again, it was that spectacle. It was creating mm-hmm. that event, doing something that had never been done, that that creates attention. Mm-hmm. And we're going to extend the show about five minutes because there was something you talked about the last time we did this. And I, I want you to just touch base on that because you talked about doing videos, but you didn't do traditional beer videos. You came at it from a unique angle. You focused in on the foam. I think 
that's what I remember you saying. Right. So maybe talk about that a little bit because maybe our listeners aren't quite ready for media yet. Like that's something that we should strive for. But I think, you know, like you said, it's not easy. But creating unique videos and coming yeah. at something from another angle, I think that's something that almost every entrepreneur can do. So can you just touch on that for a couple of minutes before we end the show today? Yeah, sure, Kim. You talked about it a little earlier it's owning that one thing, right? What What is the thing that I'm going to be known for? So the videos that I would make, they were super short because at the, as you know, attention spans, my thing was beer foam. So nobody was talking about beer foam or beer head. So my, my tagline was heady conversations over hardcore beer. So mm. people in the beer community knows what hard pouring means and what the result is. And so I would get on and I would have a glass. I should have one right now. <laughs> and I would hard pour that beer and that beer head would be so big and thick and foamy. But see, here's the thing. I would do that and people weren't doing that, but I would also explain why. Mm, and yes. I would say, okay, well, this is why you want to do this. It's the aroma, you know, it enhances the, uh, the, the tasting experience. And I went on with all of these benefits of this thing. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it was just taking the one idea that no one was talking about and just owning that in every single video. It was boom, big old head beer, <laughs> pouring it hard. And, you know, people, I would walk down the street. The name of the podcast when I was doing the podcast was called the Mo Head Y'all Show. So it was more beer head y'all because, you know, we say that down here in the kind of south, southern Indiana. A lot of people say y'all <laughs> and I like y'all, too. So it was Mo Head y'all and people be like, Mo Head y'all. They would go jump. Hey, Mo Head y'all, Mo Head y'all. It was so great. <laughs> But again, it was it was taking the one idea that no one else was using and then just owning it in every single video, every single video. Yeah. And you need to get on board with this movement, too. And it really did turn into a movement. People would send in videos or uh, they would com they would comment mm -hmm. in the comments on the post and they you know, pour. They show themselves pouring their own beer, having a picture of their own beer, this big old head and everything. So it was just something that people, it was a lot of fun and people could really get behind it. And it was just, again, just doing it over and over and over and over and over again until it was top of mind for people. When they would hop on, they would expect to see me with that in my hand and it was going to be a big old head on that beer. And I like what you just said again and again and again and again. Because it's not just, you know, doing the one video. It's the, it was the consistency of the videos you were yes. doing. It was yes. it was owning basically kind of a keyword. You're yes. owning the keyword and making sure that, you know, when people looked up that keyword, there was just so much of you, nothing else was going to come through. Nothing else is going to come through. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right, Kim. Oh, well, I've so enjoyed this, Ant. If people yeah. have enjoyed this conversation today and they want to learn more about you or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Google me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you can Google Amblair. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at amblair.com. 
You can look up the beer fundraiser that we did, uh, beerforgood.org. And if you find those, ain't no if. If you look, you'll find it. You find those, you'll find me. Thank you so much. I've appreciated you coming back and and redoing the episode. I I did not want to not do the episode. And this has been Ant Blair and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.